Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. I think at some point, when you feel comfortable with what you're receiving, you pull the trigger. Sometimes you wait too long and, and things, you know, move on. Trades are hard. I mean, when you're a part of them and, and they pop up and you're having those conversations, they're not comfortable conversations, especially when you're moving on from a player. So, you know, the longer that you're talking about it and thinking about it, you can start to sway a little bit. So when we hit in a position where I was comfortable, we were good with it. Ryan Poles, your Bears general manager, talking about trading his number one pick to the Carolina Panthers, giving him seemingly everything he wanted. DJ Moore? Number nine pick overall. They swap ones this year. Number 61 this year, a 2024 first and a 2025 second. Joining me on the score hotline is Josh Schrock of NBC Sports Chicago. The score hotline is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Josh, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. So you had written a piece that it looked like a really good trade and 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 the idea of DJ Moore coming to the Bears would further weaken whatever that rookie quarterback was going to have for mm-hmm. which the Panthers made the trade. And then you looked at what the Panthers were doing that maybe the, the, the draft pick Ryan Poles gets next year won't suck as much. So share with the class what you said. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think in general the idea of taking – Carolina's only good offensive weapon away from a rookie quarterback is a is a pretty good move when you're betting against Carolina this season, even in a weak division. But the Panthers, I mean, when Ryan Poles made the trade, their supporting cast was Chuba Hubbard at running back and Terrace Marshall and LaVisca Chanel, the receiver, which is which is pretty bad. And they went out and signed Miles Sanders, who's probably the best back on the market, and then Adam Adam added Adam Thielen and DJ Chark, who I mean they're not, you know, they're not huge needle movers, but they're they're solid veterans and the NFC South is so bad. I mean, the Falcons are going to be terrible again. The Bucks are rebuilding. So that at least gives the Panthers a, a pretty good shot of competing for a bad division. And then you look at the Bucks; they won it last year at eight, and nine, that picks at 18. So, I mean, there's a shot if the Panthers don't mess up the evaluation of the quarterback that they go nine and eight and the bears probably get a pick in the 18 to 20 range. Do you think, think it was a bad deal or you're just sort of doping out the way you think it won't be as great as as a top 10 pick yeah yeah no i think overall if you take a big view of it it's a it's a good deal you got you know three top 60 picks um and an elite wide receiver uh i don't i mean i don't really like ryan pulls coming out and saying you know i thought i could have done something historic but then i then i didn't it's like okay well 
whatever there. But overall, I think it's a really good deal. It just might not end up being, you know, the the the, the fleecing that we thought it could be. But we'll see. Josh Schrock is my guest. He's a Bears insider for NBC Sports Chicago. We're talking Bears football here on the score. The I don't know what might be historic. What did you what do you speculate? How how historic could he be talking? Yeah, I think he's just kind of speculating that his initial plan, I think, was trading down to two with the Texans for an extra one and then flipping two to nine with the Panthers. But the Cardinals being at three kind of threw a wrench in that because, I mean, they're looking to trade down so the Panthers could have theoretically just traded up with the Cardinals and then the Bears would have been stuck at two looking for another trade partner. And once D.J. Moore's on the table, you kind of just, I guess, wash your hands of the extra first-round pick you think you could get and, and take what, take what, take a deal you really like. And they got Justin Fields a weapon that, that he really needs. So it's a, it's, it's a good deal, just maybe not the, like the, the great one that Ryan Pulse is looking for. Well, I think what he did was he ended up with, with – Enough draft capital if he wanted to trade up, if there was somebody there. Right. And For sure. there's much speculation about what they would do at nine. So mm-hmm. let's play this game, Josh. Yeah. Let's play what if. What if they hold on to that draft pick and they're at mm-hmm. nine? Who would you ideally draft if you were Ryan Pohl? Yeah, I think given what they did and didn't do in free agency, uh, it's probably got to either be at an offensive tackle or, or a defensive tackle. I think Will Anderson and, and Tyree Wilson are going to be gone. Uh, so you're probably looking at, do you, you know, what do they get from Jalen Carter if he's available when they, when they host him for an interview? Does he show contrition and they say, okay, look, it's a 21-year-old kid who had some poor decisions, but it's nothing bad and he's a good kid and he's a hard worker and he loves football and he's probably the best talent in this class. And if he falls to nine, he fits what we want. Or do they say, hey, at nine, we can't really take a gamble on a guy with character issues, quote unquote, and we'll take a guy like Paris Johnson, who's a really good left tackle out of Ohio state and just check that box for the next 10 years. Okay. So we saw last year when Ryan Poles brought in players, three of them got arrested. Mm-hmm. So yep. he apparently likes guys who were pre-arrested and that's the way Jalen Carter comes. Right. What is, what do you believe is Ryan Poles's toleration level for police activity with people he's to whom he's paying McCaskey money. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an interesting, uh, interesting point that we've, we've kind of talked about a, a few times on the under center podcast. Uh, yeah. Three guys, three guys who were arrested last off season who weren't star players. I mean, David Moore didn't even make the roster and the bears didn't do any sort of discipline. I mean, they could have cut one or two of them to send a message and they didn't. So I think they have a tolerance if they if they view it as not a not a pattern of, of bad activity and the, the transgressions are not quote unquote that bad. I mean I guess getting stoned and falling asleep in a Taco Bell drive through with a couple guns is not not bad on the Bears radar. So so there's that. So I think the tolerance level is probably dependent on the transgression and, and I guess what they hear from the player after it happens. But they I thought last year they could have sent a message and, and cut maybe maybe a guy like Matt Adams who was a death linebacker who got a got a weapons charge or David Moore who didn't even make the roster, but they, uh, yeah, they seem to have a higher bar than, than some organizations. Are they doing that? So they're attractive to other free agents. Hey, we'll protect you even though you're a criminal. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I, I don't think so. You know, I think they just, um, I don't know. They, they didn't have a lot of options last, last year roster wise. And I guess I think from their point of view, it just, it wasn't, uh, they, they weren't bad enough, bad enough penalties to, 
to warrant cutting guys they thought could they thought could help a team that went three and fourteen. Josh Rock is my guest. He's a Bears insider for NBC Sports Chicago, talking Bears here on the Score Saturday Suckage. I'm Stevie Suckage. That's my broadcast name. So, Josh, if if we're the story of Ryan Poles bringing Josh Fields, Justin Fields into the into his office, say here, here's our plan. Let's have mm-hmm. a. We're going to have a come to Jesus talk about all this. This is what I want to do. And if Jalen Carter, the risk is there. Mm-hmm. And if the Ohio State tackle, the Northwestern tackle mm-hmm. is there, does he have to make good on what we think he might have promised Justin Fields by drafting one of the tackles? Uh, I don't know if he has to make good on what he promised, but I think – you know, all things being equal now with Jalen Carter's, you know, with the arrests and the question marks. And I think a big thing for the Bears also is the the question about whether or not Jalen Carter loves football. I think it's pretty hard to pound the table about the hits principle. And, you know, we're going to play hard and run hard and do all this for a guy who may or may not love playing football and, you know, didn't play a lot of snaps at Georgia because he got tired. And I think if you're betting 2023 has to be a year where Justin takes a big leap as a passer the protection just has to be better. And I think all things being equal, it's just better to use that pick on a, on a left tackle. Who's got a really high ceiling and, and no question marks than a guy who's supremely talented Jalen Carter, but there are, there are some questions. So it's almost as though he has to choose one. He's has to give the rose. Like he's Ryan Poles is the bachelor and there's his quarterback who needs protection. And there's his coach who needs a defensive tackle to make everything worse. So who does Ryan Poles owe the rose to? more his coach or his quarterback josh uh probably his coach considering he didn't draft draft justin and uh he's uh he's, he's certainly uh still able to to move on from justin next offseason um if justin doesn't take a leap they're going to have two first round picks so they could move up and you know draft a quarterback high if, if they feel that's necessary and i think that what you saw in free agency with the linebacker signings is that matt eberflus has a big big influence on the personnel decisions and Matt Eberflus wants Jalen Carter and says, this is the engine of my defense. I mean, as long as Jalen Carter aces the team interviews that he has coming up, I, I don't they, they might, they might just pull the trigger on that one. Can they put a ankle bracelet on Jalen Carter? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, but they might have to uh, put like a no racing clause in the contract. Wow. That's really something. Josh Rock is my guest. He's a bears insider for NBC sports, Chicago and part of the under center podcast and and i know it's a short a small sample size but and i think the trade what 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 ryan poles did with the trade and trying to do something historic might have required going to to the draft and being on the clock and all of that mm-hmm. and i think what he wanted to do was define free agency for himself having an mm-hmm. idea of where he could spend his draft choices giving himself options and draft capital for which to do it and i I agreed with that. If whether that was his reasoning or not, whether in his heart of hearts he wanted to, I want to know where I have to go with this. In a small sample size of a year, mm-hmm. between free agency and the draft, and managing a roster and and, and trades, Chase Claypool comes to mind as just a mess. What has Ryan Paul shown you that he can do well that you trust him to do? And what's the biggest red flag, the reddest of flags? I mean, I think what he's done well is he's just been, he's been really disciplined and he seems to understand that this is going to be a lengthy, a lengthy rebuild. I mean, he could have 
gone out and spent all the money immediately this off season and, and plugged a lot of holes and he chose to be a little more disciplined than, than probably I would have been. But I think that's, that shows he's, he's, he's cautious. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, I don't really know about the talent evaluation. I mean, the Chase Claypool trade is, is kind of a blemish. The Bayless Jones pick doesn't look great. I mean, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker are really good and maybe he found a, found a gem in Braxton Jones. So I guess the jury's out there. I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the, the big, the big question mark is just, I, I don't really, the, the free agency decisions, the plan is kind of murky. I know they wanted Mike McGlinchey and they didn't get him, but I, I don't not pivoting to Orlando Brown just because he's not a great zone run blocker is questionable to me just because he got a really reasonable contract from the Bengals and the bears pass blocking is so bad. I mean, Orlando Brown would have made a big difference. So I think Ryan Poles is um, his stubbornness is, is probably a big issue for me, but um, I think this is going to be a big draft because we're going to find out a lot about his evaluation that we didn't find out last year. Josh, we have several textures that are concerned about you. About me? Yes. We don't know. I don't know if you, if we need to call 911 or okay. if you're on your Peloton while you're doing this interview or they're worried about your breathing. Why you sound out of breath? And I, it might be the fear. You might be terrified that Saturday suckage might be contagious. Can, <laughs> can you reassure our texters and our listeners mm-hmm. that you're okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm just a little. Uh, I've been under the weather this week, but I'm, oh. I'm doing. I'm doing better. Oh, this is good then. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm feeling better. Yes. I'll, I'll ask you one last question because it's bothered me, and I've asked all our Bears guests this. When you see Luke Getze come down from Green Bay and they bring mm-hmm. and they bring a Green Bay wide receiver, somebody who understands the plan, and you know what Aaron Rodgers does well and what he doesn't do well, and I'm not talking puking or 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 going into these cone of silence, cone of darkness. But one thing I always they used to just aggravate the crap out of me watching the Bears, unable to defend Aaron Rodgers throwing a simple slant pass. And I don't know if Luke Getze called even one. Can Luke Getze not call them? Does Aaron Rodgers have a patent on them? Does Justin Fields have problems throwing it? Do they have receivers who can't execute it and get open? Is Do you have answers to any of those questions? I think it's just about a bigger problem with the Bears' pass game. I mean, the receivers struggled to get open. The blocking wasn't good. Justin's talked about how he needs to be better at those those short passes, the screens, the slants, the swings, has to take the layups. I, I think it was a culmination of things. And Luke Getze, he was a first-time play caller. He got a lot of flowers for figuring out that Justin was mobile and could run, and, and that probably took way longer than it should have, but then he didn't really evolve the offense past that. So that's that's going to be a big question going forward is, is how he takes the next leap as well. Um, I think DJ Moore is going to help them a lot in that intermediate range. So I expect the passing game to get better. And I expect, I expect more slants and more, more things like that. Cause the passing game was pretty elementary route wise. And, and Justin just wasn't as accurate as he needed to be. Will they stop the game and send the ball to Canton? If Justin Fields completes a slant pass. <laughs> I think so. I All think right. so. Yeah. yeah. One way ticket. So. That is good. You'll you be there and you'll document it and then we'll come on and talk about it. Josh, Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on under the weather and, and I hope you get better. If we need to send over some chicken soup, let me know. We'll send that over and, and whatever else you might need. But thank you for coming on. No problem. Anytime. All right. That's Josh Schrock.
NBC Sports Chicago, Bears Insider. I appreciate that, Textures. I, I appreciate you being concerned about our guest. I, I was too, and as long as we were all the same, I wanted to make sure that that we got Josh whatever. If Look, if he needed a 911 call, we certainly got phones around here. We can do that. But we give him points for being a trooper for coming on that way. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Tech Zone number 312-644-6767. Then I'll get you to the Scores listener line. The Scores listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit betql.com. Take a break. Baseball season's when we come back. Baseball season. It's going to be baseball season. And Major League Baseball coming out of the glorious, just glorious World Baseball Classic, made sure that it basically pulled the Blackhawks, showed how they could step on some appendage or another, how they could just soil the bed after that. And it turns out Major League Baseball hates kids. And I also came across a stat that knocked me out, and maybe it will knock you out, but I need some help with my math. It's about Albert Pujols, and the Cubs, and I need help with my math. So listen up, people. Saturday suckage. I suck at math. Of course. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and ATT at tmobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Use the left-hander. Notice how quiet it is again. Swinging a deep drive to left. Back is half. I don't believe it. A long home run for Albert Pujols. And the Cardinals lead two to nothing. Ball cleared the bullpen and landed up in the seats behind the bullpen. About a 440-foot blast. Highlight, low light, despair, courtesy of Pat Hughes, Hall of Fame broadcaster. Heard right here on the score. 
That's us, WSCR. 670 the score. Cubs, you're home for Cubs baseball, Cubs spring training. Cubs spring training today. Cubs spring training on the score is sponsored by Sloan, official water efficiency partner of the Chicago Cubs. We pulled that home run. He did that on September 4th. Albert Pujols did. Because it reflects, it, it leads me into a remarkable thing. Baseball is all about numbers, and you mix baseball and analytics and stack cast and everything, and you get something like this. Jeremy Frank, some of you may remember, he was a guest on the show on Saturday Suckage. He has the Twitter site, the Twitter account, at MLB Random Stats. He was a student at Purdue. He organized a lot of the analytics conferences there. He was a summer intern for the dreaded, evil, cheating Houston Astros. He's now working for the Cubs. And he had tweeted this out. Albert Pujols' average home run trot over the years Tracked by StatCast is 26 seconds. This is where I need your help. Suckage years. So extrapolated over his career, writes Jeremy Frank, Pujols has spent just over five hours of his life running the bases just for home runs. Five hours of his life running the bases just for home runs at 26 seconds a circuit. So now, it seemed like the smart thing to do. Pujols has hit 59 career homers, had hit 59 career homers against the Cubs. So if I did this right, and remember, I became a writer because I hate math, then Pujols has spent... 26 minutes circling the bases on home runs against the Cubs alone. Now, here's how I did it. I could be wrong, but this is what I did. Here's my equation. 59 homers times 26 seconds divided by 60. I do that right? Homers times 20. So it took them 26 seconds, 59 times. And then divide by 60. I have no idea if that's right or not. Anyways, it came up with 25.56. I rounded up. So that's where I got 26 minutes. I, am I right? Am I wrong? But the idea, it really feel like Pujols was circling the bases for five hours against the Cubs. Because that's all he did was hit home runs against the Cubs. But imagine that. 26 minutes of his life was spent circling the bases on home runs against the Cubs. If I did that wrong, please let me know. By the way, Jeremy Frank, we tried to get him on. He's working for the Cubs. He did not want to join us. As an intern, I wonder if he gets a World Series ring. Does he get a World Series ring from the Astros? He was a summer intern there, and the Cubs hired him. He was phenomenal when he was on the air with um, Mark Rohde and I. Anyways, that's, that was the math. And if you watched the World Baseball Classic, and it, it was just an unbelievable thing of came down to two Angels teammates playing for different countries 
Otani against Trout. The you know, it had to, it was it was, if this were a Hollywood script, it would be thrown back. This is just look. This is so sweet and and treacly, you could get diabetes from it. But there it was. It happened in real life. And baseball has a chance to capitalize on this. I mean, capitalize? Oh, my God. Look at all the interest of spring training. But here we go. And they love it. And here's this world baseball classic. And and it's no different than the Olympics. It's easy to get excited about the Olympics and the world baseball classic. It's two weeks. It's two weeks. Country versus country. Playing for all that pride and all of that. And every game matters and all that. Baseball, not every game matters. They want to tell you it does, but there's 162. Eventually, they all add up. you got to account for all of them. But you're never going to get that excitement because it's two or three weeks. And baseball faces the same problems the NHL did when, when the United States, when Herb Brooks's band of snot-nosed college-age kids beat the Russian, the Soviets. They were Soviets back then. Beat the Soviets. And as much as I love Kurt Russell's speech as Herb Brooks, and I would want to play that, I'm not going to do it right now. But coming out of that, the NHL had no idea what to do, how to market it, how to take advantage of it. In fact, it was so bad, Jack O'Callaghan, who was drafted by the Blackhawks, came off that team. If you saw the movie Miracle, he had a bigger Jack admits that the camera loved the actor playing Jack, got a bigger role in the movie than he really had with the team. But Jack was a respected member of the Miracle team and certainly a beloved member of the, of, in the media. Jack's terrific. I love Jack. He's given me a ton of time. and I always have questions about that team, what happened. Here is a guy coming off the Miracle on Ice. He comes to the Blackhawks. There is a press conference for Jack O'Callaghan. He's sitting there in a Blackhawks hat and jacket, answering questions. Newest Blackhawk. Press conference ends. Louis Varga, the trainer. Hey, kid, I need the hat and the jacket back. I said, Jack, you're kidding. He goes, no. The Blackhawks, the penurious Blackhawks, we're asking this member of the Miracle on Ice team to bring give back his Blackhawk jacket and his Blackhawk hat because that's the way the Hawks do things. And the NHL would be similarly inept. I'm not sure what baseball does here, but what baseball turned out to do in tweaking its rules, these new rules that were somewhat exciting, right? You're, you get faster games. You force players to react quicker. Move things move along. And then you find out baseball hates kids. There is a clause in the memo about new rules and tweaks to the rules that reads like this. Bat boys and girls are to meet with a visiting team before each series to discuss equipment preferences. And MLB will monitor, quote, the performance, end quote, of bat boys and girls throughout the season. The league might ask for a bat boy or girl to be replaced if they're contributing to game delays. So if a bat boy or bat girl gets back to the dugout in six seconds instead of four, you're fired. You're going to make a 12-year-old cry? Are you going to have bat boy 
boot camp. I, I just can't get over this. That you're you're coming off your baseball. You're coming off the greatest excitement you can imagine. And it's not even really yours. It's the World Baseball Classic. It's not Major League Baseball, but Major League players are there. And what is the news that comes out of that? Well, you hit kids. If a kid requires additional time to get off the field, the umpire will waive any game pace penalties, which is fine, but then the kid could get fired. I, You know, if a kid gets fired, don't go to baseball games. That's it. Tell MLB you're not paying for the tickets. I, I just, I'm stunned and yet I shouldn't be stunned that there's that kind of stupidity in whatever Ma- Rob Manfred's running. You just can't do this. How could you do this to a kid? How could you hold up a kid like this? I understand you want baseball games to move around. If it's an extra five seconds, you're going to fire a kid? You're going to be that kind of bad guy in the name of pace of play? Baseball, just I, just like the NHL, you can't fix stupid. And this is what baseball comes out of the World Baseball Classic with. We're going to fire kids. We're going to replace them if they're not doing their job. This is Bat Boy Boot Camp. Okay, there we go. MLB at its dumbest. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We're going to take a break on Saturday Suckage. When we come back... Two more number one seeds went down. Your brackets are broken. Everyone's brackets are broken. Everyone's brackets suck, but it's a greatest point, greatest part of March Schadenfreude that Alabama was one of them. They can take their despicable story home, and we will continue on with, who knows, San Diego State playing for the championship, Florida Atlantic playing for the NCAA title. Creighton, go you Blue Jays. We'll talk to Ryan Horvath, BetMGM tonight. We'll talk about betting opportunities in a historic Elite Eight. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Miller will hoist, and that is it. San Diego State has done it for the first time in school history. They're going to the Elite Eight. Tonight belongs to Miami. The Hurricanes take out the one seed in advance to the Elite Eight for the second straight year. Highlights, courtesy of CBS and TBS, and especially despicable Alabama Crimson Tide going down the way it did. As Dan Bernstein tweeted out, wow, Alabama was just in the wrong place, the wrong time, which is just so perfectly said and the kind of NCAA schadenfreude that is going on, the hate-watching that was going on and how it was rewarded is where we are now. That's the end of Alabama, the end of Houston, the end of the last two number one seeds. This will be the first Elite Eight in history without at least one number one seed. How do you bet that, Ryan Horvitt? Yeah, that's a great question. I, actually, you know what? I've done pretty well. I had San Diego State last night, and we uh, took them on the money line, plus 280 as well. I just thought that was a bad matchup for Alabama. And Alabama, I mean, in the SEC tournament, they looked really good. But 
they just really didn't put it all together offensively. You know, Brandon Miller just didn't look like himself. And uh, I'm with you. It was It's good to see them go. I do kind of feel bad uh, for Houston, though, and Kelvin Sampson, just because, you know, they obviously don't play in the strongest conference. And every year, uh, well, the last couple of years, you know, they've been a one seed. And they just can't get the job done. And last night, that was just a mess. So I keep joking around that tonight really is the national championship game. You know, UConn and Gonzaga, I think, is going to be a great game. And right now, those are the two best teams. Actually, you know, Texas is right now, they've been the best team in the nation since February. For some reason, nobody's talking about them. And it's actually a pretty good story because Chris Beard gets fired from the program. Somehow, typical SEC already has a job at Ole Miss, but they haven't skipped a beat. They've only lost two games since February 14th. Both of those games were on the road against, I believe, TCU and Baylor. And in that span, they beat Kansas twice, which never happens. And they still weren't getting any respect even last uh, two weeks ago when they played in the Big 12 championship game. They were three-and-a-half-point underdogs. They won by 20. And they continued to just beat teams up. And they're one of the only teams in the country that's top 15 offensively and defensively as far as efficiency. So I really like Texas, but um, this Gonzaga-UConn game tonight is going to be really good. Texas is the highest seed left. It's the only number two seed, and number two is the highest seed left. What does the fact there's no number one seed and the fact that it's been so that kind of craziness, does it change the way you would – analyze it, put money down, or is it simply game-to-game, matchup, matchup, and style versus style? Yeah, I mean, I've taken, like, as far as some different, like, money line underdogs, that's something I usually don't get out of hand with, you know, because, you know, we usually see an upset or two, a couple upsets in the first two rounds. But this is the first time in tournament history we don't have a one seed. So, you know, we, we just never see this. Usually talent ultimately wins out. In the final four, you know, we get a couple one seeds, a two seed, like you said, a three seed. But right now, it's tough to call. And the reason is because some of these smaller conference schools, like Conference USA, for example, did not get enough respect this year. Instead, we talked about the Big Ten, which in typical fashion, everybody bowed out pretty early except for Michigan State. You know, you know, we talked about um, the Mountain West, which, I mean, you know, they do still have San Diego State left. But, man, like some of these smaller conferences – these schools are really good. Florida Atlantic, for example, I really like them tonight. I took them on the money line. And it's crazy because they shoot the three. Like, they rely on the three ball. They shoot at 42% of their offensive possessions. And they're the uh, smallest team in the tournament. They're the fifth smallest team, I believe, to make the tournament in NCAA history. So on paper, you know, going against Tennessee, they should have got killed on the glass because we saw what Tennessee did against Duke. They were just so physical. Somehow Florida Atlantic, who I believe has one guy over six foot eight won the rebound battle against Tennessee. So it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I've just kind of been taking the shot with some underdogs. And I, uh, you know, just kind of find, finding these teams that are just, you know, have been really hot all season long. They didn't just get hot the last month or two of the season. Florida Atlantic, for example, is a 32-win team. So I really like them. It's hard to bet against Kansas State, though, because they're also a really fun story. Ryan Horvath is my guest, co-host of BetMGM Tonight. We're talking NCAA Tournament and where you can make some money, where you can find it. He's joining me on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So you really like the UConn-Gonzaga game as a game. You would seem to indicate you thought those were the are those the two best teams left, or is that just the best game left? Because I'd have a hard time betting against the beaches, San Diego State and Miami of Florida, given what's gone on so far. And I know you probably know 
there's probably not an analysis for beach communities, but <laughs> UConn, Gonzaga, are those the two best teams left, or is that just the best game, and what are you feeling tonight? I think other than Texas, those are the two best teams left. And UConn right now is the scariest team because just because of how they're winning these games. I mean, they're dominating teams in the post. They have the rebound advantage in every single game so far in the tournament. And there's really no way to stop them because if you double them down in the post, they're hitting 45% of their threes right now. They're also really good defensively. The reason I haven't trust, you know, trusted them in the past uh, has been because of Danny Hurley. But I don't even think he could screw this up because the talent there, this team's so damn good. And then Gonzaga, nobody gave them a chance really this year because they don't have the backcourt play. They don't have the guard play that they've had the last couple of years. But, man, all of a sudden now they're playing their best basketball. The problem with them, they just don't play any defense. I thought they were going to get blown out. It, it was looking that way against UCLA. They were down 11, you know, in the first half in that game, just not playing any defense. But Drew Timmy was so good, and he's been there for seven years, it seems. So, I mean, there's just really no way to stop him in the post. Um, so I think these are the two best teams other than Texas. And, and I like UConn in the game, but as far as betting the game, this is one where – I'll probably look to live bet it because somebody's probably going to go up in the first half, and sometimes you'll see the market overreact a little bit. Sometimes I don't think there's a whole lot of value betting a game right now. Like you said, I mean, this tournament's so crazy. Anything can happen, and these spreads are so tight, two, two and a half points. Sometimes if you just wait, you could live bet, and you could get a team as a six, six and a half point underdog. So my hope would be maybe Gonzaga goes down big again, and we could get him as a seven, seven and a half point underdog, and I could just bet them live. Because there's a little bit more value, obviously. I think this game's going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to be a final possession game. It's really tough to call. I lean UConn, though, I just, just because of the better defensive team. Has San Diego State, my guess is Ryan Horvath, bet MGM tonight. We're talking bet in the NCAA tournament. Has San Diego State <clears throat> traditionally provided, or no, I'm sorry, not traditionally, this year, the way they can rally or the way they can shut you down defensively, they they seem like a solid second half bet if you're talking about in-game betting. Have they been reliable in that way? Is that a bet you would look to make? Yeah. I mean, they go down in games. If they do go down in games, I'll look to live bet them. Same thing, second half, just because of the adjustments that they're able to make. So they play at a really slow pace. I believe it's like the 240th slowest pace in the country offensively. They want to slow the game down, turn it into a rock fight. And then as far as, you know, defensively, they're a top-five defense in the country. They've been consistent all season long and a really good bet. That's why I've, I liked them in the tournament. I just thought seven-and-a-half was insane against Alabama, just, just because of the way that they match up. Um, I really like them right now. The only reason, again, I didn't trust them, like, fully to, to make a Final Four bet or anything like that was just because of the Mountain West. It, it, you know, going into this tournament, the Mountain West, they hadn't won a tournament game in so long. You saw it this, you know, this year again, Utah State. Um, I thought that they actually had a shot. They were one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country. Then we get into the tournament, and they go like two of 18 from three. Couldn't hit a shot to save their lives. So that's why it's so tough to call with that conference because they don't play a whole lot of defense other than San Diego State. And they bowed out the last couple of years, but I really do like this team, and I like them as a live bet. I actually kind of like them uh, tomorrow as well. You like them against Creighton? I think that – you know, I think Creighton's the better team, but right now I just I, I like the way that they match up. If they're able to slow the game down, you know, 
like if it's an under game, if it's a low scoring rock fight at like San Diego State, but if Creighton's able to get out and transition and make it an up tempo game, I think they could run away with it. But right now I'm gonna sit I'm gonna stick with San Diego State. Um I just I trust them a little bit more just because I think that they have the coaching advantage there too. So I like San Diego State a little bit. Florida Atlantic, ninth seed against Kansas State. That's today, tonight, this evening. So give me how do you feel about that when it looks like where I, with all the upsets, it's like Cinderella against Cinderella, unknown against unknown, even though people who follow this stuff know them. But it just seems like an embarrassment of Hollywood story riches that way. But Florida Atlantic that you you probably weren't surprised by, but other people might be against Kansas State. And what are they doing here anyways? Yeah, and that's the thing with Florida Atlantic because they had such a tough first-round matchup. You could make the case for them being a Final Four team, but you could also – a lot of people picked against them. Most people picked against them because they had a terrible first-round matchup against Memphis, which just shows how they've been disrespected all season long. They were misseeded. I mean, you know, they're a 30-plus win team. I get they play in a smaller conference, but they're really good. The problem is right now, you know, kind of rooting for Kansas State as well. Uh, Noel, the point guard, th- that's the one of the best NCAA tournament performances I've ever seen. Obviously, I mean, he set the assist record with 19, scored over 20 points, made huge shots. And he got injured in that game. They had to tape up his ankle. He was hobbling around for a while. It's tough to bet against them, but I just I worry that they may be gassed in this game. And I wonder what his ankle is going to look like. You know, now that he's sometimes you, obviously with a sprained ankle, you know, you could play through the game. Then you get home, and it's tough to move around. So I want to see what he looks like because if he's not a hundred percent, I don't think that they could win this game against Florida Atlantic. Because what worried me about Florida Atlantic going against some of these bigger teams, you know, is, okay, if they don't make their shots, they're going to get blown out. And then in that last game, they were like 2 of 14 in the first half from three. They had nine turnovers. And against Tennessee, the bigger team, they were still only down five points because somehow they were beating them, like I said, on the glass. So it's tough to bet against them right now because even when they're not hitting their shots or scoring the basketball, they're finding different ways to win games. So I'm going to stick with Florida Atlantic in this game. I like them a lot. Okay. Appreciate it. This is nuts. We're talking about an Elite Eight without a number one. And we're talking about Florida Atlantic against <laughs> Kansas Owls. State. And <laughs> exactly. Creighton could go to play for the championship. And like, oh, my God. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for your time again. Hey, thanks so much for having me. All right. Ryan Horvitt, BetMGM Tonight co-host. This is nuts. I mean, it just – it you'd – you know, watch watch where you put your money. Ryan's trying to help you. He's got ideas for you, but it seems really crazy. Speaking of crazy, we're going to take a break when I come back. Studzinski and Meatballs. I mean, he's really gone full Meatballs with some of the players the Bears have signed, and it is worth revisiting and worth serving up another edition, another dish of Studzinski and Meatballs. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. Thank you for listening, fellow Suckageers. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.